Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Thank you so much for bringing coffee today. (sighs) Well, how are you doing? I did just see your Facebook post of little Jesus multiplying his fish sticks. (laughs) It looks like everyone's happy. Well, dear, I am too old to pretend, so I'm going to be honest, it was a rough week. You know, I know I'm John's mother and that he's going to prepare the way for your holy child, but if I can be honest with you, he is one strange little child, and he is wearing me out. Well, Mary, you never need to pretend with me. You know that. We've been in this since we were pregnant together, you know. Um, Sometimes you just need to vent. For instance, John is is such a picky eater. You know, I give him little matzo balls, and he just smushes them in his little fingers. Brisket bites, and he uses them to attack the dog. The only thing, literally, I can get him to eat are these whole locusts with honey drizzled on them. I have to buy them at Whole Foods. It costs like $19 for a tiny little jar. Listen, the doctor says, don't worry, it's fortified, it's nutritious. But you should see the dirty looks I get from the moms when we do playdates. Oh, the judgy moms. Mm-hmm. Like, Jesus is perfect, obviously. But he does not care what the other kids think of him, and he is brutally honest. Mm. Like, he made a little girl at preschool cry the other day because she yeah. asked. We are not really popular at preschool either because apparently whenever a group of children misbehaves, John calls them a brood of vipers. Jesus says the same thing. Where did he even get that? Although, to be honest, I would say the same thing about that Obadiah kid. Oh, yes. You're right. Pain. Mary, I, I don't really wish that John was just like all the other children. But then again... It's little things like every single bath time. He takes his little bath toys, he looks them in the eyes, and he tells them to repent before dunking them under the bubbles. (laughs) Now, be honest with me. Is that normal? I'm sure that's normal. (laughs) Little white lie?
That's great, Mary. Ear infections are the worst. Nobody gets any sleep. Ah, I think I've been tired since the day he was born. There's a reason people my age don't usually give birth. Go ahead. Do I sometimes wish that God had maybe chosen someone else? Mary, on my hard days, I think about that almost every day. You know, parenting is hard enough, as you know, but, uh, but when you have a child like this that's, that's got this holy calling, it's, there's extra pressure, there's extra weight. And on top of that, I, I worry about John's future. I worry what will happen to him when Zechariah and I pass away. I, I worry about his future anyway. The weight of the future is so heavy. I know Jesus is going to be, the, he is, the savior of the world. But I also know there's going to be so much pain that comes with that. And when he was a baby and we brought him to the temple, Simeon told me that a sword would pierce my own soul, too. <sighs> Some days I'm just so overwhelmed and afraid, and it's like no one else understands. Well, at a small level, I understand that. I mean, did I ever tell you how hard it was to find a truly geriatric pregnancy support group? <laughs> They, they apparently will let 35-year-olds into that category. 35. Anyway, all joking aside, I, I do. I, I feel sometimes very lonely, and, and some days I feel like giving up. Yeah. What do you do? I mean, parenting is hard enough without our miracle babies. When that angel appeared to me years ago, I didn't really know what I was saying yes to. I guess I thought if it was God's will, I don't know, it'd be a little easier than this. That's the hard thing about obedience, isn't it? It's, it's more than just a one-time event. It's, it's a daily struggle. I think in our case, the, the angel visitations, the, the miracle births, those those were almost glamorous, like something we'd post on our Instagram, right? But the daily reality is a lot harder. The, the daily yes is rarely glamorous, and it's never easy. What do you tell yourself when you worry that God maybe picked the wrong person, when you just feel like giving up? That's a good question, Mary. I think... I think when it gets hard, I have to remind myself why I said yes to God to begin with. Because I love him, because 
I truly do want to give him my life and because of everything that I've seen him do in my life. And when it gets really hard, I have to remember the promises he gave me. You know, he, he told me and Zechariah that this baby would be a delight to us, that, that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit and that he would make ready a people prepared for the Lord. What about you, Mary? Why did you say yes? I mean, I don't know how I could have said no. This is a holy opportunity. This precious baby is a gift from God. I mean, the angel said he would be called the Son of God and his kingdom would never end. And do you remember what you said to me that day that you came when we were both pregnant? <laughs> or what I said to you, rather? Yeah. You said... Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Those promises still stand, Mary. It's okay to feel like it's a struggle and to, to vent and to need to process the difficulty, but I hope you know that even when your heart and your flesh feel like they're going to fail, that God's word will never fail. Yeah. You're right. I mean, even in the chaos and the pain and the sleepless nights and the loneliness, my soul will still glorify the Lord and rejoice in God my Savior. The Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Now you close your eyes for 10 seconds and pretend I'm not sitting up. <laughs> uh, thank you for Kathy. She did a great job helping me with that. Uh, I just want to say, too, this is the most comfortable I've ever been teaching on a Sunday. <laughs> I briefly contemplated changing or maybe getting a, you know, kind of fairy godmother to come up here and transform me from PJs to preacher, but, um, but then, you know, I was thinking about this series that we're in right now, um, this series called Giving Up on Christmas, and I thought, you know, maybe we all need a little relaxation right now. Maybe we don't need the picture perfect. Maybe we really need to all just be able to show up as we are. And I started thinking that maybe one of the reasons that we feel like giving up on Christmas is that sometimes we kind of look at it like a fairy tale snapshot almost like this happily ever after, too good to be true moment. And maybe sometimes as a result, we have a hard time relating our story to the Christmas story. I mean, you and me, we're sweatpant people and we didn't get you know, dressed up for the ball. And maybe just at the moment that we're feeling our lowest, maybe just at the moment we're feeling our messiest, the days are getting darker, maybe we're feeling anxious or depressed, maybe we're feeling like we're on the end of our rope and we're overwhelmed with busyness, and maybe in that very moment, we encounter this story that feels a little too manicured to meet us where we are. And maybe we feel like giving up in general, not just at Christmas, because if we're honest, sometimes we look at the Bible and the stories there, and we can kind of look at them all like holy snapshots, 
like these little, um, you know, holy moments that would be perfect for our Instagram pages, right? And so it actually made me think for a moment, what if our, our heroes of the Bible, what if they had Instagram at the time that they were in these stories? And I, I wondered what that would look like. So if you'll amuse me just for a second here, I have a couple of uh, slides here for you to see. Um, we can look at maybe what people would post. So this is Noah. Come on, the rainbow, that's like perfect right there. Can't get much more Instagram worthy than that. And then we have, I believe, Esther. Move over Elsa. This was the original coronation day. Beautiful moment, right? Not, never mind the fact that she had a, a, maybe a horrible journey to get there, orphaned, all that. But no, but this moment was Instagram worthy, right? Um, we also have Moses. I used to be jealous of Moses because literally we, we named the like burning bush moment after his story and we all want that burning bush moment, don't we? Just a post on our page. So we have Moses here and then we have all oh, the birth announcement. This is Rebecca who was married to Isaac, if you remember, who is the son of Abraham and she had little Jacob and Esau. Now again, in the future, these, these boys will become like mortal enemies but again, that's aside from the point at this moment of this picture, we just get to see the happy, happy Instagram post there. And finally, this is what I imagine um, maybe the Instagram version of Mary and Joseph's. You know, people like to do these, these couples' pregnancy photo shoots, and I wonder maybe on the journey to Bethlehem, did they just pause and let me just sit here and, or maybe not, maybe not so much. I guess I bring this up because I, I think sometimes if we look at the story, this Christmas story, like this happy, cheesy Instagram post, then we might feel like we're going to give up because it makes us feel like maybe things should have been easier than this, like Kathy said. And we start to feel like nobody understands what we're going through. And I think Instagram and social media in general kind of perpetuates those two lies because we look at the snapshots other people post and we either have two reactions, right? Everyone's posting all these happy good things in their life, all the, the happy family photos, the, the jobs they got to accept, and the perfect version of that Christmas pie that you've been trying hard to make. And so if we look around and we see all these things, then we look at our own lives and they don't seem to measure up, we can either feel like, man, everyone else is doing it right and I'm somehow doing it wrong. All these Bible heroes, they did it right and somehow I'm screwing it up and I don't know why. So we either feel like it's our fault or we feel like maybe like nobody else could possibly understand what I'm going through. Because if they were going through this, it would not be easy for them. And so we start to feel alone and we feel misunderstood. In fact, there's a, a news survey, from a U.S. news survey from 2018 that says that 27% of Americans feel like they are rarely or never understood by others. This is pre-COVID. 27% of Americans feel like they are never or seldom understood by others. And I don't have the statistics to prove this, but I wonder how much social media plays into that. This idea that somehow we couldn't possibly be understood because everyone else is posting all these great things and we, we can't possibly post our family dysfunctions. It's not cute when three out of six of us are throwing a tantrum and one of those is an adult. Or the weight loss, it's not, it's not fun when everyone else has got their before and after picture and then, you know, they look like Jared from Subway and you've like, you're like, I've, I've worked three months and I've lost two pounds. And you feel discouraged and you feel like, what's wrong with me? Why can't, 
I match everyone else. Or people are posting their happy moments and you think, okay, I've got my, this divorce, I've got this difficulty, I've got this problem I'm going through, and these are the very things that we tend to not post, the things that we don't feel will be understood. And so we hold it in and we feel isolated. And the Christmas story, please, the Christmas story, we think, does not have space for us, right? Why should we make a, a space for it? The Christmas story is all these holy saints. How could we possibly compare And if you don't believe me, just look at the Christmas cards that maybe you've been getting in the mail or maybe look at the nativity scenes that you pass as you drive through town. And if you look at Mary, that woman is always flawless. Like her skin, she could sell some kind of skin product because it's perfect every time. She's literally got a halo, right? And when she's staring at her little newborn child, it is the look of a a mom who's looking at her child in a birth announcement. It is never the look of a mom at 2 a.m. when she has not had any sleep at all, right? Like, have you seen the the Christmas card with Mary changing an explosive diaper? (laughs) You haven't because it doesn't exist. But that doesn't mean it didn't happen. And part of what I want to get at today is we can look at the Christmas story, and for all we know of Mary and Joseph and all these people, we just know a fraction of their stories. And I want to just pause for a minute, and I know we have to use our imagination here, but what if we were to pull back the curtain a little bit and think about not just Mary's big yeses, not just the big moments of obedience to God, but what was it like for Mary to say yes to God every single day? Now, we do get a little more about Mary's story than we do about Joseph. Um, we know the way that she said yes to the angel, how he told her that uh, the story that God had, the plan, and she says yes, and we hear that. She says, may God's word to me be fulfilled. And then um, a few chapters later, a little bit later in that chapter in Luke 2, we see um, when she visits Elizabeth, who is in the skit today, and we get to um, watch her interact with her, and we get to hear Mary's Magnificat, which is this beautiful, poetic um, outpouring of her soul to God of praise. And I love that. And I mean, again, if it was Instagram today, it would be viral. It would be, you know, crocheted on some Joanna Gaines pillow somewhere, right? But I had to think, and what kind of the skit asked today is, was it hard for Mary to repeat the Magnificat sometimes? Was it hard for her to say those words after the 2 a.m. feeding or when she had sleepless nights? Was it hard for her when she knew what Jesus was going to for her to say those words? And maybe you've had a moment like that. Sometimes when we sing worship songs here and it's beautiful, but there are times, if I'm being honest, there have been times I've struggled to sing the words to a song because sometimes my soul is struggling. And maybe you've been there too And I wonder then if Mary sometimes had those moments where she struggled. And so I want to look a little closer at her life. I will say this, in in this short chapter, chapter 2 of Luke, we do know Luke makes two references to Mary pondering the story. Luke 2.19 says that Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. This was after the shepherds came and the nativity scene was unfolding, and Mary sits there and ponders it all, and we don't get to see what's happening in her heart. And later, um, when Jesus is a little older and, and his parents had taken him um, to Jerusalem and they were, they were on this pilgrimage and then they were supposed to be returning home, and if you remember, Jesus stays behind and his parents don't know, and they make a full like day's journey down the road before they realize that he's not with them, and they go back and they have to, they have to reprimand him and bring him back. And, and again, it says... 
his mother treasured all these things in her heart. She treasured things. She pondered things. And I just wonder how many times throughout this course of her life did she stop and just ponder, how did I get here? What am I doing? God, did you make the right decision? Am I really the right person for this job? I've quoted him before, but there's a comedian I like called Mark Lowry, and he kind of laments that we don't have more about Jesus' life, and he, he blames it a little, jokingly, he blames it on Mary, and he's like, listen, the, the, you're, you're the mother of the Son of God. Keep a journal, woman. Like, you really should have keep, kept track of all this stuff. Um, but we don't. We don't have Mary's diary. We don't have a journal. So we have to imagine how many times, maybe like you, did Mary feel completely alone? You know, nobody would really understand that she was stigmatized because she was obedient to God. Who could she talk about that with? You know, the daily yeses, the, the, the virgin birth, there was nobody else that she could really talk to that would understand. Elizabeth might have been the closest person that would kind of understand, but again, Elizabeth was much older. How, how often were they able to get together, if at all? Did, did what we see today, the skit, did that ever play out? Did they ever meet up just to talk, just to have coffee? I know last week for me was a little bit of a rough day, and uh, don't tell anyone this, but I just just overwhelmed, so I sat in the lobby instead of sitting in for the service. Um, sorry, Tom. <laughs> and you know who was sitting in the lobby? All the moms, right? The moms were out there with their little kids, and so I ended up sitting and commiserating with, with a couple mothers, and I thought... If Mary were here today, I bet this is where she'd be. She'd be out there with her baby. She'd be chasing him around, you know, Jesus picking up his little goldfish, whatever. And again, it's just this moment to, just to humanize Mary and to remember, maybe we, we like to picture her as a saint, but I wonder if Mary would necessarily be comfortable with that. You know, I have a friend... Um, a friend who's fostering, and this was a last-minute situation. She started fostering multiple children, and it was kind of thrown at her. And I remember she said to me, Carrie, everyone says, you're such a saint. You're such a saint. You know, the things you're doing, because they have this image of her as like, you know, superhero, foster mom, whatever. And she's like, to be honest, I just need a nap, and I need a coffee, and I am tired. And so I got to thinking, that kind of made me think about Mary. What if that was the same for Mary? What if Mary's like, man, I am not a saint. I'm not a saint. I'm tired and I'm exhausted and I need a nap, definitely. And I wonder if, if Mary, on her worst days, kind of wondered or wished even that she had turned the angel down. Social outcast? A sword piercing my soul? Yeah, no, that's not what I signed up for. Partly because obedience isn't a one-time event. It's a series of difficult and often mundane events. And we don't often think about da Mary's daily yeses. The yeses, you know, the, the diaper rash and the, um, the 2 a.m. feedings. We don't think of those as holy obedience. Just like maybe in your life, you don't think of the little things you do as holy obedience. Maybe you make a sandwich every day from home to take to work so you can save money to give more. That's holy obedience, but we don't feel like it is. What about the times that we pray for God to give us patience with our child, with our spouse, our, our friend? That is holy obedience, but it doesn't feel glamorous. It doesn't feel like the big yes. In fact, we often glamorize obedience to God as these big holy moments, but obedience, most obedience, does not make a good Instagram post. Most obedience we do, we give to God, is not going to make a good social media post 
And that's partly because it's, it's not always these exciting things, is it? A lot of times it's that daily grind. It's the daily yes. It's the stuff that is either boring or it's just difficult or we're afraid to post it because we think people won't understand. And it's also, I think, a little bit as it should be. You know, the Bible talks about, Jesus talks about um, giving in secret, giving in a way that we're not doing it to be seen by others. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. But instead, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that you, your giving may be in secret. This is, this is important, though. It says, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And I think most of Mary's life is in obscurity. But I, I wonder... I wonder if the things we didn't see about Mary's obedience were perhaps the most pleasing of all to God. And I, th- I wonder about that in our own lives as well. If maybe the things that people don't see, the yeses we say to God every day that aren't seen, are maybe the ones that honor God in a beautiful way. Because guess what? When we say yes to God, it is going to be hard. It is going to be hard. And I think we have to go into it with that expectation um, one of my favorite movies is The Princess Bride, and there's a quote where Wesley, yes, Wesley says to Buttercup, life is pain, highness. Anyone who tells you differently is selling something. And maybe that's a little grim, a little dark. But I do think that if we, if we go into life, if we go into following God with this expectation, a realistic expectation that it will be hard, I actually think it's going to help us build that, that resilience and that ability to keep saying yes when it feels difficult. And so I have a couple takeaways here as we, as we start to close. First of all, our yes is more often mess than impress. It's a little cheesy maybe, but our yes to God is more often mess than impress. I think that we need to, again, when we have this expectation that our obedience to God is not always going to be those holy burning bush moments, the holy angelic visits, a lot of times that, that yes to God is going to be the little things, the daily things, um, and if we can look at it that way, then maybe that gives us the courage and the strength to keep going and to keep saying yes, even when we're like, man, I thought this was going to be easier. And that brings me to a second thought, which is that there's always another yes after this one. There's always another yes after this one. I think, if I'm honest, I look back at Mary's story sometimes, and I'm like, she said yes to God, great, end of story, happily ever after. But no, that yes led to another yes, which led to another yes and another in fact, if there's anything we learn from Mary's story, um, we, know, we know from Scripture that Mary was around at the beginning of the church, after, after Jesus died. She was there for the beginning of the church, which means it, scholars believe that Jesus lived um, at least 33 years before he died, in which case, um, God, if, if we do the math there, that's at least 12,045 days of yeses that Mary made, right? That's a lot of yeses. And I think we have to remember that there's more yeses because it, it helps to grow in us a resilience. I look around at our, at our country, at our culture, and I, I know we can say that resilience is a, an issue for the younger generation, but if I'm honest, I think it's, a, it's an issue for all of us. I think that for a lot of us, we're, we're tempted to give in very easily now, and things start to get hard, and we think, this isn't what I signed up for. And we have to remember that God's yes is going to be difficult sometimes. We may say that big yes, that yes to the ministry, that yes to of starting a family, that yes to something that feels glamorous, and we have to know that there's going to be more yeses behind it. However, 
Here's where I think we get the Christmas story a little bit wrong. And, and whether it's the enemy's scheme or whether it's just the way we gloss over and make this Christmas story seem kind of holy and magical, we, we sometimes turn the Christmas story into something that it isn't. Because when we airbrush the Christmas story, when we, when we act like it's um, something beyond what we could ever experience, holier than we could experience, we can't relate to the characters in the story and we start to believe it's too good to be true, when the reality is that the Christmas story is God entering our mess to be with us in those everyday yeses. He enters our mess precisely because we need him every day. In fact, Jesus didn't make this grand entrance into our world and then a grand exit just to leave us alone. He came to be with us forever. In fact, Jesus calls himself the bread of life. Did you know that? John 6.35, he says, I am the bread of life. Notice that Jesus does not call himself the cake of life. That is richer, maybe it's fancier, but that's something we use maybe once in a while, maybe for celebrations, right? And Jesus says, no, I'm not, I'm not a once in a while kind of, kind of God. I am an everyday God, and I'm here for you in the everyday moments. And so Jesus, I believe, you know, forget the fancy artisanal bread. I think Jesus was like the, the daily white sliced bread that we, that we use for our kids to make sandwiches for them. Maybe he's slightly more fortified and has more fiber. I don't know. But, but he represents that daily sustenance, right? That daily courage, daily strength for our daily need, daily courage for our daily trial, daily hope in our daily mess. Listen, if obedience is a one-time event, then we can get by with Jesus' birth and salvation as a one-time event, right? Just like a fancy dress you throw on for a holiday, Instagram post-worthy, you pull it out once a year, and then it's easy to give up on Christmas, easy to give up on God because it feels like it doesn't offer us that much. You know, it's like Cinderella. It's just there, and then once the magic wears off, you're back to reality. But maybe, maybe the truth is that we can't afford to give up on Christmas because Jesus' birth isn't a one-time event. It is something that keeps birthing hope and life in us every single day of the year. And that's what I think Mary has been reminding me. That daily yes, she said to God. You know, Mary may have been raising the bread of life, but you better believe that that bread of life was sustaining her every day along the way. And Mary's daily life might just be a better reminder to, her, to us even than her big yes, that God is with us in the everyday moments. And the truth is, Christmas will never give, on, give up on us even if we feel like giving up on it because God God created this story and he is love and love never fails. And I believe that. And neither do the promises of God. And if you're sitting here today and you're feeling a little bit like Mary in this skit and you're thinking, I'm just ready to give up and I just don't know what to do, I would challenge you. I would challenge you to remember what Elizabeth asked her. Why did you say yes to God to begin with? What prompted you to first say yes to God or to say yes to God when he asked you to do that thing that you knew was hard? Go back and remember that moment, and maybe that will inspire you and give you courage. And I would also challenge you to sit with God as we're leading into, into Christmas and into this, we're in this Advent season. Take a pause from the busyness and just invite God to, to show you the promises he's put in your life, to remind you of the holy, um, the, the good things that he said he will give to you 
the fact that he's never going to leave you, the fact that he will um, always be with you, and the fact that um, you can never outgive God. You know, I truly believe that. And so just rest in that today. And if you're feeling discouraged, if you've maybe never said yes to God and you're just feeling like you are at your most anxious and you're most overwhelmed and you're, you're feeling like you're right at the edge of your, your rope, I would challenge you today to just maybe consider saying yes to the hope of God because I promise you that he is the one hope that will never fail you, that will never let you go. Let's pray. God, I thank you that, um, that you are a God who came into our mess, that you are both God and fully man and that you understand us in a way um, that we often forget. And I pray for each person today as we feel overwhelmed, as we feel um, in the chaos of this season, would you meet us? Would you remind us of your goodness? And would you give us a strength and resilience to continue to say yes to you, to put this hope before us just as you experienced that hope and joy before you that led you to suffer and go to the cross for us? And God, I just pray for anyone who is on the fence, who doesn't know, um, who isn't sure they can trust you. I pray today that they would just take that chance, that you would um, help them to feel safe and to, and to know that um, you're a sweatpants kind of God and you'll meet them right where they are in the midst of their journey. We love you. Amen. <laughs>